Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Anita J and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, November 28th, 2018 and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we are in chapter 11, A Vision for You starting on page 163 with the second paragraph, which, which begins, we know of an AA member, reading through three paragraphs, ending with, if he can and will, and of course, commenting on all three. Today's readers are for OA's 12 Steps, Beth W., The 12 Traditions, Naomi B., And readers of the text this morning are Rachel W. and Rocky E. And as our backup, in case, you know, in case, is Jenna A. The share ID number for Tuesday, November 27th, the 7 a.m. meeting, is 12,228. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, it is 12,229. And our newcomer greeter this morning is Hoodie R, and our 8 a.m. host will be Leah S. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Beth W. to read OA's 12 Steps. Hi, good morning. This is Beth W. from North Dakota. Can you hear me okay? Yes, Beth. This are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. 
6, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. 7, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. 8, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought to prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and for the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for doing, allowing me to do service, and I'll pass. Thanks so much, Beth W. And I will now ask Naomi B. to read OA's 12 Traditions. Good morning, Anita. Can you hear me okay? Yes, thank you. Okay, thank you. Good morning, family. Yes, uh, this is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. The 12 Traditions. One, a common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, our, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself and our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted service. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, OA, every, excuse me, seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issue. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communications. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to and I pass. Well, thanks so much, Naomi. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read.
we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book and we are on page 163, beginning with the second paragraph. We know of an AA member reading through three paragraphs this morning, ending with if he can and will. And we'll be commenting on all three. And I have asked um, Rachel W. to get us going. Good morning. Good morning, Anita. Thank you so much for everything. Good morning, everybody on the line. This is Rachel W. We know of an AA member who was living in a large community. He had lived there but a few weeks when he found that the place probably contained more alcoholics per square mile than any city in the country. This was only a few days ago at this writing in 1939. The authorities were much concerned. He got in touch with a prominent psychiatrist who had undertaken certain responsibilities for the mental health of the community. The doctor proved to be able and exceedingly anxious to adopt any workable method of handling the situation. So he inquired, what did our friend have on the ball? Our friend proceeded to tell him, and with such good effect, that the doctor agreed to a test among his patients and certain other alcoholics in the clinic which he attends. Arrangements were also made with the chief psychiatrist of a large public hospital to select still others from the stream of misery which flows to that institution. So our fellow worker will soon have friends galore. Some of them may sink and perhaps never get up, but if our experience is a criterion, more than half of those approached will become fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. When a few men in this city have found themselves and have discovered the joy of helping others to face life again, there will be no stopping until everyone in that town has had this opportunity to recover if he can and will. Wow. Okay. So um, this is Rachel W., Recover Compulsive Reader, calling from New York. I'm just setting my timer here. And just have to say this is so so packed with um, so much. You know, we are the privileged. Those of us on the line here, we're just miracles. Um, we're warriors of recovery. That's what I'm hearing here. Um, you know, first of all, you know, just the idea that um, what it takes, you know, when it says here, um, the doctor proved to be able and exceedingly anxious uh, to adopt any workable method. I mean, do you hear, you know, how, how that requires action? You know, we're getting the clear message that to accomplish anything that we want takes action. And, um, and then also the idea that, um, you know, there was, there, in, the, in the hospital, you know, that there was a stream of misery. You know, what is that stream of misery? If I could be so bold to define that stream of misery for myself, I think it would have been that chronic issue I have is who do I become when I don't get my way? The stream of misery of that unmanageability of step one. You know, I noticed recently that every single 10 step starts with me. <laughs> it starts with my unmanageable thought about someone else. It doesn't mean they didn't do anything wrong. You know, they could have been done, done something really wrong. The problem is it's unmanageable for me. You know, whatever they did, I'm just not accepting it very well. So that stream of misery is, and, I, and people deal with big situations. I'm not saying, I'm not diminishing that, but that stream of misery, I'm just really in touch with how the continuum of it. And also the idea here that, um, you know, 
soon you'll, the friends galore, you know, and, and the fact that um, it only takes a few men, you know, that they can find themselves. And again, we hear, we see here the discover, discovering the joy of helping others to face life again. You know, it, it's calling upon all of us, you know, here are the steps, here are the actions, you know, it, it requires, you know, it, it's not going to happen on its own. You know, spirituality is really nice. But uh, and and, and uh, being reorganized inwardly, it sounds wonderful, but it's not going to happen unless I really apply what I'm learning here. And I do so on a daily basis, day by day um, in recovery, absolutely, especially I think especially in absence, you know, taking these actions. And it's why I'm here with you today. And I'm really so grateful, you know, that I read this and that and to all of you being on the line today, even those of you who may not today or who are struggling. I'm so glad to be with you. It's an honor to have you with me here this morning. Thank you so much and I'll pass. Well, thank you very much, Rachel W., for kicking us off. All right. Who is up? Siobhan B. from Boston. Katie D. Sally Katie, Katie G. Just a minute. I got you, Siobhan. Sally thank you. B. Sally Barbara. W. And Lisa B. Barbara E. Boy, oh boy, guys. Can we cool it? Barbara Harlan. and Lisa. Harlan now. That's a, that's the way to do it. You see how quietly Harlan did that? <laughs> and and Ginger. All right, that's a great kickoff. And I think there's one lady I didn't get. I almost Jennifer got you. W. Well, I'll put you in the second bunch, okay? All right, I have, unless you think you were the one, Katie G, Siobhan, Sally A, um, my own handwriting, Lisa B, Barbara, and Harlan, and and Ginger, and Jennifer W. All right, Lisa B, and then it'll be Siobhan. Good morning, Lisa. Lisa B, uh, excuse me, I mean Katie G, forgive me. Anita, it's Katie. Are you ready for me or was there somebody uh, else? No, you you are it. Oh, okay. All right, I don't want to take people's turns. No, Katie no, G, recovered, no. compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic in Boston. Yeah, I mean, look, I just love that it says, like, any of us can recover. Any of us can recover if I can and will. I am so, I have that disease that counts me out, that looks at you and says, mm, I'm different. Nope, I'm sicker than you. I'm better than you. I don't want to fit in, especially I didn't want to fit into a program called Overeaters Anonymous. I mean, come on. This was like the unsexiest, uncoolest program. And the thing is, when I stopped, identifying out and I and I started identifying in and I stopped saying, Oh, well Bill's a white man and then da, 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 and started thinking, Whoa, I am Bill. I am Bill. And and these pages started to come alive. You know, you can't get kicked out of OA. There's nobody too sick. If you want to hit your bottom, stop digging. It is a matter of willingness. And you know, I used to say I'm praying for the willingness to be willing. Let me tell you that never worked for me. <clears throat> what worked for me 
and continues to work for me is desperation, is, is calling people in whom the problem is solved and saying, help me. Tell me what to do. And, and today, you know, when, I, when I'm faced with a problem, which I loved that the previous speaker said, any problem in my life, it is a spiritual axiom that when I'm disturbed, and I didn't write this, it's AA a 12 and 12, it's always about me. It's about my perception, right? And this is because of my self-centered fear, right? Like I think that anything anybody does, anything anybody says is based on me. And thank you, God, because of entire abstinence and working these steps and continuing to work the steps, I don't have to live that day. I can recover too. I can have um, life happen to me and have an entire shift in my attitude, in my way of thinking. And, and it's not um, – I always thought it would come through focusing on me, right? Like I wanted to go into my deserted barn and have a good think on the problems according to KDG, right? But what I'm learning today is death of self for successful living. And that doesn't mean kill me. It means that death of the big me. It means I have an ego that wants what it wants what it wants, and it emerges every single day if I don't continue in this work and find the joy of helping others. It is such a privilege to teach people about this book that continues to save my life each and every day. So I'm just so grateful to be one among many and to count myself way into this program of Overeaters Anonymous. Thank you, God, for all of you. And with that, I pass. Hey, thanks so much, Katie G. And good morning, Siobhan. You are up. Siobhan, you are up. Hi, I'd unmuted. Sorry, um, but it muted again. Um, good morning. Okay. Uh, can it be heard? Yep. Good morning, family. Uh, Siobhan, we're grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Um, uh, what what jumped out what jumped out to Spirit and I is that it's on 163, last paragraph, um, the second sentence is some of them may sink and perhaps never get up, comma, but if our experience is a criterion, comma, more than half of those approached will become fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. I um, spirit my spirit just wanted to clarify that. Um, how I read that is, is is really just that more than half will that are approached, right? So that so chapter twelve, the the chapter in, de- devoted entirely to step twelve, which we're told in the last sentence on page eighty eight, you know, called working with uh, working with others, you know, tell, talks about precise instructions on how to work with others, right? And it says that there's this approach with the prospect, but then there's also the people who go along the path. And I just want to clarify that the statistics of more than half of others are just, just decide to follow the path, but the path is actually one that rarely anyone fails. And we're told that on 58 in um, chapter five, how it works in the first sentence, it says, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. So I just want to reconcile that because I knew that as a newcomer, that would have been like so confusing to wait. I thought, you know, cause it says more than half would, become members, but wait, I thought no one fails at this. And that is true. So out of the people who are approached, um, half of them might go along the path. But then if you do decide to go to the path, we're told on page 58, warily, like almost never. In fact, we're almost, we're told that like, if we decide to go on this path, this beautiful path to getting recovered, which for me happened in five days, and that's how would I transmit to others with God's grace only, 
um, you know, is um, as the founders did, and he's in, you know, is is that almost no one fails. There, we we learn on the date that you have to be constitutionally capable, meaning like you can't distinguish between right and wrong. Now, I was a compulsive liar, but 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 I could know. I did know the difference between right and wrong. So if you know the difference between right and wrong, and you know that you're struggling, this path is 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 rarely no almost never you only socio sociopaths basically and even those were told in the last sentence of the first paragraph in 58 if they they do they could recover if they have capacity to be honest so it's really just this honesty and we, we just read you know in their last time that it's really just requires a matter of willingness uh, that's the last par last sentence on 163 just requires a matter of willingness patience and labor that's all it requires and then we then we're, we're reminded on uh, 98, it says, burn into the idea of the consciousness of every man that he can get well regardless of anyone. The only condition is that he trusts in God and clean house. You know, um, so this is, this is, it is a lot more foolproof. I just wanted to clarify that it's so foolproof. Uh, everyone who's, whoever follows this path, at least with me, gets well. So, you know, and that's only with Hi. God's grace. Thank you so much. Thanks, Javon. Sally and then Lisa B. Good morning, Sally A. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Sally A. from New Jersey. Um, pleasure to share on this wine this morning. And um, I just love that our group is called Vision for You. I was trying to figure out whoever thought of the name it was really smart because this is, a, is one of the most beautiful uh, sections of the big book. And it is a vision for us. You know, it's it's like a fan. It was a fantasy for me to live in a healthy body and to have a somewhat normal life as <laughs> a fantasy. You know, I lived in the food for so long, but there was a vision, a vision that I would be, you know, recovered, a, a vision that I would be, you know, help restore to health. And that vision and fantasy is becoming true for me every day, and I'm so grateful. And I love the part where it says, you know, we were a stream of misery, a stream of misery, you know, that's powerful. That that describes me so well. This was such a such a miserable way of life for me, but I never had thought a way out before I knew this program. Um, and I love the part where it says there will be no stopping until everyone in that town has had the opportunity to recover. You know, it's like, you guys didn't give up on me. Some of them did. You know, some people when I relapsed, didn't want to talk to me anymore. And I understand they were protecting their own recovery, perhaps. But I really appreciate the the ones that didn't, you know, stop talking to me, didn't stop reaching out to me throughout the years and, and, and keep, you know, sending me that message. Um, and they didn't give up on me because I wanted to give up on me. So this passage seems to say that, is that, you know, we're not going to stop till everyone on this line you know, is recovered, and, and may, may vision for you live on. <laughs> Thanks. I'll, I'll pass. Have a good day, everyone. Thank you, Sally A. Lisa B., and then Barbara E. Good morning, Anita. You have good ears. <laughs> My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive over ear in Greenville, South Carolina, and I really just felt kind of pushed, you know, I really had this thing inside of me, like, I need to share so I was praying, God, please let whatever I share be useful and helpful to another. So it talks about our fellow will soon have friends galore. So when I was reading through the chapter with the guide that took me through this big book, 
Um, she helped me understand that there's what's called a prospect, and then I become a protege, someone that I work with. And then once they've worked through the steps and are now recovered and are attempting to carry this message themselves, they are now a friend. And I love that. Um, I, I am growing friends. It's wonderful to be developing more and more friends. Those are people that I've worked with that are now recovered themselves and are now attempting to work with their own um, prospects and proteges and it's an amazing gift it really really is and it has nothing to do with me it's this living force that I've tapped into um, this energy you know as a result of going through these steps entirely abstinent and being armed with the facts about myself it gives me power having facts about myself knowing who and what I am learning how to explain it in a very brief concise nutshell way so if I'm talking with a medical professional or if I'm talking with someone in a meeting I also attend AA I'm gifted and privileged to also be a recovered alcoholic and I meet people in AA that are possibly um, struggling with this illness of compulsive overeating and I've learned to be comfortable and how to share that in my shares um, and then I love how it talks about uh, um, if he can and will, and on this line, I heard one of our fellows share he doesn't believe in in um, can't. He believes in will and won't. And I have found that to be true because I do also have the gift and the opportunity to talk with many people each day that are not yet recovered, that are in the food, face down in the food, struggling. And I've often said that, you know, I, I don't believe in, in um, can't. It's really will and won't. And that seems so hard and cold. And, you know, I'll talk to people that beg me. I'm ready. I'm ready to do anything. And I'll say, okay, let's start tonight. Or are you willing to listen to this podcast? And they'll say, well, I need to do this first. Or, no, I can't do it yet. Or, no, you know, and it really comes down to the desperation, understanding it's really a doomed illness that I could actually live on many decades with this illness and get recovered not get recovered, that it's really a matter of me taking that first step and seeing that I'm doomed and dying. I just may not feel it in my body yet, but I'm doomed and dying in my spirit. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Lisa B. And now, good morning, Barbara, and then it'll be Harlan. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes, thanks, Barbara. Oh, oh wonderful. It's so good to be back and uh, participating again today. This is a wonderful bit of information here. Go, this man went into a town. He was not only paying it forward, he was doing some self-protection as well. To, I always say to a prospective sponsee, do you really want to do it? You have to decide for yourself. It's not for everyone. And I have to be very careful not to show intolerance of other programs. I remember when I first started talking big book at a meeting, I saw eyes rolling. That discouraged me, but I persevered. Also, for me, this important thing about speaking to medical practitioners, I know I've spoken to my internist, offered um, to have him, if he wished, have anyone he wants to contact me. And he honestly said he had no idea what OA was. So I started from the beginning. Have you ever heard of AA? Yes. Well, there's AA and GA and Debtors Anonymous and there's Overeaters Anonymous. 
It is a serious, life-killing disease. And I left those little cards with him. And over the years, I have gotten a few referrals. There are some people that weren't interested at all. That's their decision. But there were others that came to meetings with me. I picked them up. It's my honor. It's my duty. It's my obligation. And above all, it's my joy to carry the message. Go to meetings. This man started a meeting. Bring the message, respecting the guidelines of the meetings, though. Having the willingness and patience. And I have to say, patience has not always been my best asset. I always wanted the cliff notes. I bought every single bit of OA literature and wanted to read it all, and then I'd be recovered. I want to hurry up the process. And that was also my duty. I had to explain to a prospective person that part of the process is patience, patience, patience and understanding that we will not do everything perfectly. Yes, I must get abstinent perfectly, but have the courage to forgive myself and others and keep on trekking the road. This is such a beautiful program. Two decades, I never thought I could say that. Two decades, joyfully with you. Thank you so much, I pass. Thanks so much, Barbara E. Harlan, good morning. Anita, did you call me? Yes, yes, good morning Hi, Doctor. Okay, thanks Anita for your service and thank you to Team Wednesday. I'm Harlan and I'm a, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. We have an incredible amount of history and an incredible amount of things going on in these paragraphs that if we're blind to them, they do not mean as much. So let's kind of crack them open and let's see what's going on here. We have an AA member living in a large community. That means Hank Parkhurst. He lived in Teaneck, New Jersey, and his office was the office which the which housed honor dealers where the big book was mostly written, which was at 17 William Street in Newark, New Jersey. Why is that important? Well, let's find out. It says here that he's going to be in touch with a prominent psychiatrist who had undertaken certain responsibilities for the mental health of the community. Who's he talking about here? He just happens to be talking about a psychiatrist called Dr. Howard of Montclair, New Jersey. Why is Dr. Howard, not of the Three Stooges, but another Dr. Howard, why is Dr. Howard of Montclair, New Jersey even remotely important? Because he got an early mimeographed copy of some of the early chapters of the big book. He got on the train and went to New York City to see Bill Wilson, and he implored Bill Wilson not to write the book in the imperative, but in the declarative. Now, what is the imperative? The imperative is you do this, you say this, you go here, you go there. And he convinced Bill that no alcoholic is going to respond to that. And other than chapter seven, seven is in the imperative still, uh, he convinced him to go to the declarative. These are the things we found. These are the things we've done. So Dr. Howard of Montclair, New Jersey, is not only going to bump up against Hank Parkhurst, he bumped up against Bill Wilson. He becomes extremely important in the 
pentameter of how the book is written. And then it says here down and the next paragraph, our friend proceeded to tell him and with such good effect that the doctor agreed to attest among his patients and certain alcoholics from a clinic which he attends. Arrangements were also made with the chief psychiatrist of a large public hospital to select still others from a stream of misery which flows through that institution. And of course, now he's talking about Dr. Russell Blaisdell. Why is Dr. Russell Blaisdell of Rockland State Hospital in Monsee, New York important? Because Dr. Russell Blaisdell is going to encourage the movement and he is going to invite busloads of committed alcoholics to come to meetings in South Orange, New Jersey and in New York City. And he asked Bill to speak there in December of 1939 after the book was published. And Bill was not a licensed counselor. He was not a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist. He was just an alcoholic. And Dr. Russell Blaisdell is going to amplify what Dr. Silkworth teaches us when he says that the message must have depth and weight. And Dr. Russell Blaisdell is also going to be one of the people mm. at the Rockefeller dinner, which was instrumental in getting the book publicized. So you have a tremendous amount of history here. You have a tremendous amount of people coming together at exactly the mm. right time, in exactly the right way, so that we could be here this morning. <sighs> With that, I'll pass. <laughs> Thank you so much, Harlan. All right, New Jersey. All right, Jennifer C, and then, I mean, uh, Ginger C, and then Jennifer W. Hi, Anita. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, thanks, Ginger. Ginger. Oh, thank you so much, too. I love when you're moderating. Go, Anita. This is Ginger C, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. And, and a huge shout-out again to Vision for You. I... Love this meeting, and I shout it to many other rooms that I'm in, not only in OA, because I've never seen a group that works so hard. And my friend that just spoke, he would tell me, Ginger, you've got to work it harder today than you did yesterday. And that's what we do on A Vision for You. We are not stopping. And most importantly, because of this sentence, there is no stopping until everyone in that town has had this opportunity to recover. And the saddest reality, and this just what makes my heart just bleed, there are so many that are in the food and dying right here, right now, as we're speaking on this line. And I shared just a few days ago, I'm so grateful I go live to meetings, and I bounce around to different meetings. I don't just go to the meeting that feels good or works for Ginger because they have recovery in that room. I go wherever that newcomer might show up, because I want them to know that there is hope. You can end this nightmare with your food and this eating addiction that is killing you. There is hope a day at a time. And it all begins by saying goodbye to the food that's killing you. And that's the hardest piece for all of us. It's been my best friend my whole life. And you're telling me to put the fork down. How do I do this thing called life without my food? But then the most amazing thing happens. You start to feel free because this allergy is not in your body and it's not screaming and your mind starts to slow down and relax. You get to relax and take it easy. You're not thinking about eating. And then the most amazing transformation happens. You go from this selfish me, me, me person to how can I be of service, God? 
how can I be helping you today since you don't wear flesh and I do? And there is no greater joy in the friends that you're going to meet, but most importantly, to see that person in the quicksand start to see life again and to see their lives rebuilt again, their relationships, because we're here for love and connection, not to be isolating and eating. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Ginger C. And now it'll be Jennifer W. Jennifer? Can you hear me? Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you. Hello, my name is Jennifer. I'm a compulsive overeater calling from Stockholm. And I am very, very grateful that I am calling in. I'm trying to listen to this meeting every day. Uh, and I now, by now, sort of like got to know the voices uh, of you here and uh, the names and, and all. Um, thank you for the sharing. I um, uh, The stream of mystery um, is actually really, uh, uh, someone said, uh, ego. And I guess you have a lot of ego thinking about yourself and... Um, you need to sort of change your way of shifting. And I'm very, very grateful that I have, that I'm at this stage now that I, I can and I will, like it says, uh, because uh, it's been a long time when I didn't want to do anything. But now I'm so grateful that I just want to do, I, I want to follow instructions. Uh, I want to do what you are doing uh, so that I can recover as well, so that I could um, ha- help others. And uh, uh, and that's um, really, actually, it's kind of easy because then you don't only have to do what's told and you don't have to think it out yourself. Um, and that's good. And, and I noticed now a few days I've been sending, handing over my food and it's actually calmer in my head. Uh, and and listening to to these meetings also helps me to sort of um, um, get to shift my thinking a little bit. And now I'm working on the steps. I'm on step one, and um, um, like like I said, I'm just happy that I have people who really like last uh, person shared who really wants to work on their recovery and uh, wants to get well and and take this seriously uh, and I'm really really happy that I am there now and not in denial and not seeing other things as more important so thank you thanks so much Jennifer W we are happy too all right let's open it up again Ross M Tina and Melissa Tina Tina and Melissa Carol R. Mm-hmm. Was that Chrissy? Yeah. M. Carol R. Oh, just a minute, just a minute. Chrissy and Carol and Sima. Let's stop right there. Let's see if Would we you just tell us the paragraph we're reading? <laughs> I will. Page 163, the second paragraph for three paragraphs, which ends at the top of 164. Thank you. Okay, Russ, Tina, Melissa, Chrissy, Carla, and Sima M. All right, Russ M. Good morning. 
Good morning, Anita. It's Russ Emery, Public Compulsive over here outside of Philly. So, before I was in program, I had food galore, problems galore, despair galore. And, uh, you know, until I worked the steps and this solution took my life, this solution restored my life. You know, I really had nothing. I had, I, had, I, I, lo- I lost hope. And I read this about that we can face life again, the joy of facing life again. You know, there's like a joy in these hardships. And that we're, you know, we're, we're creating endurance. And, and we're going to use these hardships to help others. It's, it's just incredible. It blows my mind. As I'm, I'm getting to work today, I'm thinking, you know, you know I, I love this program. I love the big book. I love Bill and Dr. Bob, all the guys, everybody. I love you guys. You know that. But I can't help but think of my grandmother who battled this disease her whole life, died of heart complications. My Uncle Joe, who died, didn't even make 55 because he was, he was out chasing that buck, but it ate him alive. The disease was connected to that, died of a massive heart attack. I think of my grandparents' next-door neighbor. It was like their son. He had nobody. He died in the hospital at 500 pounds from complications of this, this garbage disease. And I think of how blessed I am that I, broke, I, I just was crushed by it and had no, no other out. You know, how come they didn't have that? You know, how come they didn't see that? And that's what, that's what makes me value a meeting like this. And the big book, and and what what this spiritual way of life offers, you know, it's more than being Catholic, Muslim, whatever, whatever you are. It's like a relationship with your Creator. Let Him fill the space that this disease, this disease has been trying to steal from us our whole lives. And it's hard work. It ain't easy, but man, it, it's it's so fruitful. So what I'm getting at is that, you know. Yes, coming on the line and working with my sponsors and working with my sponsor and having fellowship with you guys takes a lot of time, but it does. It does. It, it, it helps me enjoy, have the joy of facing life. I couldn't do it, man. I was dying. I was, I was pretty bad. I was, you know, I, I'm sure everyone else was. You know, I'm not unique. I'm just saying I was, I was in bad shape when I came in the doors. And, um, I just want to thank you for it. I hope I made some kind of sense. It's just this was on my heart today. And I don't take this for granted or anybody involved here. You are awesome. Have a beautiful day. Thanks, Anita. Well, thank you so much, Russ M. All right, Tina, F, and then Melissa C. Thanks so much, Anita, for your service. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Wow, heard some really great chairs this morning. Grateful to be on the line. And, and you know, a big shout-out to the history of these paragraphs, which was wonderful. Thanks so much. Uh, you know, I am of the thought and of the mind of that nothing ensures immunity from drink and intensive work and self-sacrifice for others. And that's kind of what this talks about, you know, because in order for me to keep what I have, and I certainly want it, I'm a person of more always, is, is to give it away. You know, what I have freely found, you know, I give freely. And, and I love it was shared also today, you know, I can and I will, and I want to today. There was a time when I did not, you know, when I first got here, I thought, oh my God, you know, there's, I'm going to 
going to get this deal, but I'm not going to give it away. And that's the transformation that comes about through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and a spiritual awakening is I want you to have this thing too. You know, and I heard an earlier share, you know, I go to live meetings and I, and I go to places that don't want to hear what I have to say. And they make those faces. And I keep going back because there were people that came in and said these things and I was making those faces. And I don't make that face today. You know, I am so grateful to have the opportunity to be in, in a program in several, you know, that I have a transformation, a psychic change that today I want to live my life and I want to help others to live theirs too. And that is something different. And with that, I'll pass. All right, Tina, thank you so much. All right, Melissa, good morning. Melissa? Hi, I'm sorry. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes, thank you. Hi. Thank thank you, Anita. Thank you for your loving service. It's Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, yeah, I love, like, friends galore. That is um, – it just warms my heart, you know. I'm, I, you know, I've shared here. I'm a teacher. I'm a, I'm a second grade teacher. So, you know, I'm all about friends, and that's like, you know, my, I when I first started teaching, um, one of my mentors, my great mentor, um, used to call her students friends. You know, not boys and girls, but come friends. And, and I adapted that, and I just love that. I love the, the thought of being surrounded. Um, with people that were connecting heart to heart, whether I'm teaching them or learning from them or walking side by side. And and so I'm told, like, when I'm on shaky ground, when I'm in a place where I feel jittery and alone and surrounded by the disease, whether it's alcohol or food, um, I'm to look at the world as as future friends, as future fellows. And, you know, like, so I think, like, all right, you know, my day-to-day travels, like, you walk through, like, Walmart and supermarkets, and there is this disease running rampant. It's all around us. Um, You know, I can see the morbidly obese people, and, you know, while I can't, you know, I'm not, I can't, like, promote Overeaters Anonymous and, like, wear a T-shirt saying, ask me how I've lost weight, I can interact with people bringing the message of hope and recovery, and, and, Whenever I'm nervous and awkward about a situation, um, I really try to meditate beforehand, like, God, help me find someone there that I can be of service to, that I can look at um, in a loving manner to bring something of the Spirit of God to and and perhaps have a a future friend. And I did last year, I I found myself at a wedding, Um, you know, there's tons of food, tons of um, alcohol, tons of whatever, and and I was a little bit nervous beforehand, um, and I, you know, I found somebody there, crazy enough, this really young kid, early 20s, it was his first event sober, um, he was, you know, and, and it, somehow we found ourselves having a conversation, and he asked me if I was a friend of Bill, and so there I was in this place, no longer afraid, no longer jittery, jittery and alone, but you know, among the friends, and um, and I feel that way with all of you guys. It's such a blessing to start my day with friends. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Okay, friend. <laughs> Thank you. All right, and Chrissy G. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. It's Chrissy G. 
from New York. And I was I was taught really early on in recovery that I, I have a responsibility. That, you know, and, and there's a slogan that says any any time someone reaches out for help, that I have a responsibility to reach the hand of OA, AA, whatever whatever program has given me that freedom and that escape from bondage from whatever addiction it is and, and I've I've explored many options of addictions in my life and you know that's my responsibility. That's that's my responsibility and, and I, I need in my life in general I need to always focus on just doing what I'm responsible for and leaving the outcome excuse me, in God's hands. And that that to me is very humbling because I don't know what's best for anyone else. I really don't. I know that this was my answer and is my answer, continues to be my answer for 12 steps, but I can't, I can't say for sure that it's anybody else's answer. You know, I'm, I, I can't. I just can't. Um, if someone comes to me and, you know, whatever our odds are of, of someone actually adopting this way of life, you know, the percentage of how many people come and how many people stay, you know, I don't know how to really get a good handle on that. You know, it says 50% here in this reading, 50%. So I don't, I don't really know what the odds are, but I do know that I have shared the message with many, 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 many people. And I am sure that, um, no, I'm not sure that all of them haven't stayed. I mean, or found recovery in some way. I don't really know. And it's it's really not that important. It's really just about being willing and knowing that I have a responsibility. I've been given this miracle. I've been given my life back. God gave that to me. That was a gift. Now, but it's my effort that it, it takes to manage that miracle, to manage that life. And part of that is keeping um, this program going, and that's spreading spreading the message. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Chrissy. Now it will be Carla and then Sima. Hi, my name's Carol R. Hey, Carol. Yes, yes, thank you so much. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Um, just I'm from just outside of Philly. Um, so a couple things really jumped out at me. Um, when, when initially when they started talking about this member who was worried because he lived in a place where he felt that there were so many alcoholics per square mile that he didn't, he didn't know what to do, you know? So, um, he got in touch with somebody in the community, you know, that was responsible for the mental health of the community. And um, I'm thinking to myself, wow, like, first of all, I'm thinking like, I'm a, you know, a medical professional. And I've been in OA for a long time. And I've never, like, I have talked to doctors along the way and different things, but I've never reached out to like, Anybody like, you know, that runs the mental health department or the Department of Health in my 
city or outside, you know, and I was thinking, wow, light bulb, maybe I should try, maybe I should do that, you know, because I look around and through the years, it just seems like the people that are struggling with this disease has increased exponentially. Like everywhere you look, everywhere you go, you see people that are overweight and struggling with this disease. And they really need to get the message. So that was the first light bulb. The second thing that really jumped out at me was the joy of helping others. And, you know, the friends and that grow up around the, the program. But the pure joy of helping others. And when I really, really reflect on that, um, you know, all my life I've been looking under every rock, geographical cure, geographical cure, looking in every place, you know, to fill up that hole in the soul, right? Never realized that it's right here until I got into the program, started working the steps and doing the work. It's right here, you know what I mean? In that joy of helping others. It's like we are higher powers working through us, and we're, we're his agents, right? And we're helping others, and it just fills us with this great joy. And um, so anyway, they're the two things that stuck out, out for me, and thank you so much for allowing me to share. Thank you, Carol. Uh, Sema, you have a couple of minutes. Can Hi, this is Sema. Did you call me? Yes, I think we have maybe two minutes, Sema. Okay, I'll go fast. Um, <laughs> I also thought about these uh, paragraphs about, um, you know, in those days they were welcomed when they reached out into the hospitals to uh, spread the message because they, the authorities realized that they had no clue how to help these people. Uh, today, my intergroup and uh, the OA itself has a program to reach out to the medical community. They even have literature. And uh, my intergroup goes, does approach the, uh, the facilities with the psychiatric facilities where people have uh, these addictions. But it is very difficult to carry a message uh, when we don't have a good reputation and when there are so many competing organizations which uh, in, the, in the medical profession as well, that want to keep us out because they want to make a profit selling their, their recovery methods, even though most of us know they don't work. So um, anyway, I'll get to the part about friends. I never had friends. I never knew what a friend was until I came into OA, and that was 43 years ago. How to, how to uh, identify with people, how to have something in common with them, and how to... Um, explore something together, a process of recovery, and um, a joy of living. So with that, I will pass. Well, thank you so much, Emma M. Good way to end this. Okay. Um, I want to thank everybody who shared, and please join us for a second unrecorded uh, hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for the meeting we have just been a part of is 12,232, 12232. 
And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164. And will Rocky W, Rocky E, please read a vision for you. Rocky. Are you there? Can you hear me? Now I can, yes, great. Oh, great. All right. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.